welcome back to Lion Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander. Today's beautiful episode is a solo episode for folks new to this program. Welcome. Uh, typically, this is a place we bring together the world's leading experts on all things health and wellness to help you align your mind, body, and movement. Today's solo cast is uh, going to be me talking about meditation and mindfulness, specifically top mistakes or errors or misconceptions that people make around such practices. And uh, also we're going to delve into the Align Method book a bit, which is a book that I created along with co-writer Phil White. It came out maybe six weeks ago and uh, it's been number one bestseller on the Amazon. I appreciate you guys' uh, reviews on there and purchasing and telling your friends and all that stuff. Your feedback is amazing. Thank you for grabbing the Align Method book. We're going to get into some insights from that today. First thing, start with a quote. We're going to get into a few quotes. Uh, but first, in relation to discussing mindfulness, I am going to just read right out of here uh, a definition that I gathered from Daniel Siegel's book, Mind, uh, for the meaning of mind. He refers to it as an emergent, self-organizing, embodied, and relational process that regulates the flow of energy and information. And I go on to write, let's repeat. It's an embodied and relational process, a continual two-way exchange happening all the time, even right now as you're reading these words. So I'm gonna read his definition one more time. Uh, he refers to it as an emergent, self-organizing, embodied and relational process that regulates the flow of energy and information. So I just really enjoyed that definition. So I wanted to throw that in there. I think mind and mindfulness is a word that gets thrown around a lot can have a lot of meanings so i think it's interesting to kind of start from like okay here's a definition to play with a couple top mistakes that i would point out in relation to when you go to like a yoga studio for example and you see people um crossing their legs up and doing like a sukhasana or position or getting really spiritual is oftentimes they'll be collapsing under their own spines. So they have their hips are just too darn low. So they need to be raising their hips up above the height of their knees. If you do that, you can refer back to the floor sitting episode that we released maybe five weeks ago or something. Uh, we go deep into detail. We're not going to go into detail here. But by raising your hips up, get yourself a meditation cushion or a yoga block or a bunch of pillows, or you could sit on a small child or whatever is nearby and uh, raise those hips up above the height of the knees. And that will situate your pelvis in a position that will be more balanced. The L5S1 vertebra down low in your back, sacrum territory, are more of a wedge shape with the large end of the, or the wide end of the wedge facing forward. And so when you tilt yourself ever so slightly forward while you're sitting on that cushion or on the edge of a chair or anything, uh, you're setting the rest of your spine up for balance, stack, alignment. All right, let's get into some more quotes from the book that I find valuable for y'all. This one comes from John O. Donahue. He says, our bodies know they belong. It is our minds that make our lives so homeless. John O. Donahue, our bodies know they belong. It is our minds that make our lives so homeless. Very interesting. Our subconscious mind is, can be described as like an ocean. It's this big, vast territory 
that uh, I think oftentimes we, we don't realize that we're actually governed by it, but um, we kind of get bossed around by the little dinghy boat of our, our conscious mind. And so the conscious mind is said to be able to process something like 40 bits of information per second, while the unconscious oceanic mind processes something like 11 million bits of information per second, roughly. And so you have this huge ocean of your unconscious that, or subconscious that uh, if we allow ourselves the spaciousness and the silence and the observation and the listening, all of a sudden that oceanic part of ourselves starts to come up. And I think that's kind of what John O'Donohue is talking about. All right, we'll give you another part that people are, are messing up with meditation. I think there is a misconception that meditation, when you're sitting on a cushion or whatever, is it's not an active experience it's a it's like a doing nothing and that's that's not correct uh, when you are doing a so any form of reflective mindfulness meditation practice where it may be you're actively observing yourself which i've actually found that subtle reframe might not seem like much but i've found that me being kind of more of like somewhat type a ish i'm not sure what type i would be to be honest but um Certainly masculine-ish. I don't even know if I'm that masculine. Now I'm thinking about it. But if you are a masculine person, I, I, I enjoy dabbling in masculine tendencies. It can feel, meditation can I think feel a little bit too passive and too like, I just feel like uh, I want to like chop wood. I want to do. But the reality, if you reframe that and, and look at it, it's almost like a game. You are actively witnessing your thoughts streaming through your mind and actively observing your breath. And you can almost make a game out of it and watch your breath slowly going up in through your nostrils and down, observe the temperature of the air, observe the contact of the breath on your, uh, the hairs on the inside of your nose, observe the weight of your hips on the ground, all of that stuff. And while you're doing that, if you get bombarded and kind of thrown off course by a thought, you can almost make it a, a game and bring yourself back to that and be like, okay, cool. I was in presence for 15 seconds and I got thrown off. Okay, maybe I can do this for 20 seconds. Okay, wow, cool. I did 20 seconds. And you know, from that perspective, I think it becomes more interesting for more of like a kind of active do perspective. Um, William Shakespeare from Hamlet, quote, says, there is nothing either good or bad, but thinking makes it so. There is nothing either good or bad, but thinking makes it so. That's great. I loved intertwining quotes throughout the book because I have written down like a thousand. I literally have quotes. Um, I'm in my living room right now. I have quotes written all on my wall, which is another practice that I recommend in the um, Eli Method book is get like, put a chalkboard up or put a dry erase board. I, I painted on my wall, um, a dry erase board so I can draw pictures or write notes or quotes or to do's or whatever. That way I actively can see it. You become your, your visual environment. So, uh, you become what you look at, you become where you live. So it's a nice thing to kind of put insightful quotes or things that you want to pay attention to in your visual fields. That's what I do. And uh, I've got like a buttload of quotes. And the book was a beautiful opportunity for me to put these guys in here. Um, so there's nothing either good or bad, but thinking makes it so. I think that is, that is great. Uh, the one thing that you will always have control over, or maybe you don't have control over because you've kind of let it, let it slip, but you can regain control, is your perception of the experience. You have very minimal control over events 
like very minimal. If you think you have a lot of control over events, I think you're just delusional. Uh, at any time, Earth could get hit by a meteor asteroid. We could get a solar flare from the sun, or we could somebody could break into your house and attack you, or you know whatever. And there's things with that and that that you, maybe you could you know, lock the doors or something like that. But no matter what happens in your world. Um, it's just things are just going to happen. You just never know. Um, but what you always really truly do have control over is your perception. And that is what Shakespeare was talking about. There's nothing, there's nothing either good or bad, but thinking makes it so you have the power. All right. Final thing. I'm going to do one more like 0.5 thing. Yeah. But, uh, one of the primary last things, top three misconceptions of mindfulness and meditation, all that stuff. Um, it needs to be, what did I write down here? It needs to be a certain way. Oh yeah. It needs to be a certain way. You need to burn Palo Santo wood. And you got to smudge the place. You need to be blindfolded. You need to be wearing fluffy, loose fitting pants on a whatever. You, mindfulness meditation is something you'd be integrating into your life all the time. Um, there's a, some research that I include in the book actually of uh, people washing dishes. And what they found was that when people would wash dishes and be cued to pay attention to the temperature of the water, notice the bubbles and the light shimmering off of them and the, the air temperature around and sounds and such, and just practicing mindfulness while they're washing dishes, while they're doing a thing, they would score higher on creativity tests and uh, they would also reduce their levels of anxiety. So we only have so much bandwidth that we can be uh, utilizing in any given moment. So you can almost think of it as like if you're traveling, you have like a briefcase that you put your stuff in and you only have, you know, in the conscious mind, 120 bits of information. You only have so much information or stuff that you can put in that briefcase. If you fill your briefcase with paying attention to your breath, paying attention to the color of someone's eyes, paying attention to the temperature of the room, the sounds in the room, then that shuts down. The briefcase gets closed up and filled up with paying attention to presence. Um, and then you don't have space for uh, ruminating over the past and what you should have done or thinking and projecting your thoughts into the future. It's called chromostesia. Uh, that's, I should actually refer back there's a part that I wanted to mention in relation to chromesthesia. Maybe I find it. Yeah, I got it. All right. I'm just going to read. This is the last thing I'm going to do. Uh, and then we're going to wrap this bitch up. Uh, this is reading right out of page 233 for people that have the book. Uh, Lao Tzu famously said, if you are depressed, you are living in the past. If you are anxious, you are living in the future. If you are at peace, you are living in the present. And then I go on to write some stuff. Wise words. Although he left out the postural association to thinking forward or backward, University of Aberdeen psychological scientist Lyndon Miles and fellow researchers have shown that mental time travel, chromostesia, is actually represented in the sensory motor systems that regulate movement. They found that thinking about the past or the future literally moves the body. Focusing on the past swayed study subjects backward, while those pondering future events drifted forward. The embodiment of time and space yields on overt behavioral marker of an otherwise invisible mental operation. I'm going to read that again. The embodiment of time and space yields an overt behavioral marker of an otherwise invisible mental operation, explained Miles and his colleagues. It's taking me back to reading the audiobook. So when I read the audiobook, I was in a tube for it's like five days or something like that. And reading off this little digital screen went, went against everything that I stand for in the Align Method book. It's okay. So anyways, 
pretty interesting that our thoughts, our mental time travel can literally adjust our postural patterns. And if we are stuck in the future, um, so says that research from uh, University of Aberdeen, uh, it literally pulls us ever so slightly forward and being stuck in the past pulls us ever so slightly back. So presence is also a physical structural alignment conversation, which is just so darn fascinating. All right, I think that's enough. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Uh, we have a video on a, a quick little meditation session that is on the YouTube. We'll include the link for that. I hope you guys enjoy that. We are taking that YouTube. We're, we're getting real with it. We are posting videos each week and it's a valuable platform that uh, we have fabulous information over there for you. I think there's something like, I probably have like 400 videos on YouTube to be honest. Uh, but we are, we're getting back on that YouTube game. So jump over there and check that out. The newsletter, people are loving the newsletter. That's going on each week. You can get on that at alignpodcast.com. And we have valuable bits of information on there ranging from how to benefit your mind and also your body. So really simple stuff usually includes some type of quote um, and a specific practice that you can do for self-care or movement. And uh, then a little insight from the weekly podcast. And the final piece of radness that we have for y'all is the seven-day free trial of the Align Method online program. In that thing, I think it's like this fourth week of it or so, we get into mindfulness and breath practices and meditation practices and positioning around that. Um, so we go deep into the mindfulness game in the six-week program. And the first week is absolutely free. So you can try that thing. It is in the bio at Align Podcast on Instagram, or it's found at alignpodcast.com slash align method. Seven day free, no strings attached. Uh, if you do grab the program, you get the Align Band, which is a heavy duty resistance band. Comes along with a door anchor and a free online program on how to utilize that thing. All right, uh, homework for the week is start freaking meditating. Get a little practice going uh, each day. Uh, follow the YouTube video where we break down some fundamentals on it and just do, give me 10 minutes. Give yourself 10 minutes and uh, try it before you go to bed would be a great time. It's dark, you got nothing else to do. Just before you, you, you shut eyes, do a little sit, 10 minutes and follow the principles in the, in the video and uh, do that seven days. Tell me how it feels. Uh, was it helpful with clearing your mind? Was it helpful with increasing the gray matter around your hypothalamus or decreasing the size of your amygdala or helping you with uh, greater levels of compassion and empathy with others or helping you feel calmer. Those are all things that science is saying meditation does. All right, here we go. I always say here we go. Uh, thanks for listening. I don't, here we go. It's like a, some form of nervous tick that I have. If I don't know what to say, I say here we go. <sighs> thanks for listening. Enjoy your meditation. <laughs>